your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County And it's another beautiful day here in the Pacific Northwest. And welcome to the Bose Nose Show. And I'm your host, Westlane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich. And we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. And today is a free-for-all day, which means you control the topics. And I don't have a guest today. We had the DA last week. So if there's anything about the DA conversation you want to bring back and talk about today we can talk about that a little bit or we can talk about whatever you want to talk about all you have to do is dial in here uh, to the Bose Nose show and uh, you know that that's uh, you know 646-721-9887 and just press one and that lets Robin my call screener producer extraordinaire know you want to get in on the conversation Again, that's 646-721-9887 to get in on the conversation. And I do these shows so that, you know, the folks out here in West Lane County or Lane County in general or anywhere in Oregon who want to talk to a local government official, elected official, um, about, you know, government here in Oregon uh, on a local level or a state level or even what's going on at the federal level, I'm here to have a conversation with you, hear about your concerns, answer your questions. I may not be able to answer them right away, but I can I can always uh, you know figure out uh, who to go ask that that question to and get back to you later on. Uh, so this is one of your opportunities to talk to your West Lane County Commissioner here on the Bose No Show at 646-721-9887. And if we don't get any telephone calls today, you're going to talk about what I want to talk about. And what I want to talk about is our Lane County budget for the at first thing. And then maybe we might talk about red light cameras and speeding tickets that, that, that the folks up there in Salem uh, are considering right now and some of the shenanigans they're up to. Um, another potential money-making effort by by the uh, Salem folks, as it's predicted that if they allow cities to use red light cameras to issue speeding tickets, not sure how that technology works, but that apparently they can do it, it would raise an extra $8.25 million for the state over the next biennium. And that's just the state share of the traffic fine. So you can guess that that means that those, those new Speeding tickets issued by cameras in intersections will probably cost you, the taxpayers, drivers of Oregon, somewhere in the range of 16 to 20 million over the next two years if, if they if they approve that legislation. But we can talk about those later. I want to talk about Lane County's budget for a little bit, and our budget is a unique story in Oregon. I mean, you've heard me talk uh, over the last you know, 
several months since last December when the governor issued her budget, disappointed I was with how the state of Oregon's dealing with their budget in that they uh, really uh, aren't trying to control their internal costs at all and are basically trying to balance their budget purely through revenue generating um, increases of some kind, whether it's the corporate tax or whether it's uh, traffic tickets with red light cameras. Everything they're doing right now is about more revenue, not about less cost. So uh, it's really um, disappointing to me how they've attacked it. Whereas Lane County has attacked their budget shortfall, and we have a real shortfall. This is one of the things I want to try and make sure people understand. Unlike a lot of public agencies that talk about how they have a budget gap um, or whatever, however they phrase it, most of them are actually getting more money now than they've ever gotten. The problem is, is their expenses are growing faster than their revenue. So they've actually got this gap. Whereas Lane County, we actually have been getting less money over the last six years from the federal government for timber replacement uh, payments that are known as the Secure Rural Schools uh, Act payments. Uh, those have gone away. And we're down to actual timber harvest monies on federal lands that come to Lane County. And that revenue stream has gone down by 91% since 2001 where we actually have less dollars now in our general fund than we had a few years ago. And that's what we're, we're dealing with Lane County is a true deficit in real dollars. We have less money than we had before. And even with that, we've managed to figure out how to balance our budget. Whereas the state of Oregon actually has record revenues coming in right now. The problem is they also have record expenses projected that are that are $1.4 billion at least higher than the record revenues. And that gap between their expenses and the record revenues is what they keep referring to as a deficit. And it's not really a deficit. You know, that, you know, we had a deficit. We had less money. But we chose, you know, several years back to start really working hard on how we're going to control costs prioritize where we're actually going to spend our money and, uh, you know, do everything we can to get the best bang for the buck. And it started, you know, years ago when we took 20 some, you know, in health insurance plans that our employees were receiving because we had seven different bargaining units in Lagan County, uh, collective bargaining units, uh, unions, as folks like to, to refer to them. Uh, each one of those unions had at least a couple, if not three different insurance plans. So we were managing about 20 insurance plans. We bargained with our units and, and I have to commend our public works unions. They actually stepped up and, and were the first ones to suggest and take the two new plans that, that we ended up moving to. We got all seven units onto those two common plans. So we went from managing 20 insurance plans down to two, which saved us millions of years millions of dollars a year in just administrative costs. And then more recently, we've gone to self-insurance. We opened an employee health clinic, uh, which allowed us to help uh, 
teach our employees to better manage their health and reduce um, claims into the insurance system uh, because, you know, employees could go there like a sort of like an urgent care clinic for them where we weren't getting um, the claims through other doctors. Uh, and that whole system, the self-insurance, the two common plans, everything we've been doing has managed to keep Lane County's health insurance costs at zero growth for three straight fiscal years. This budget we just adopted had zero increase in our health insurance costs. Our last one did, the one before that. In fact, the 10 years before I got elected and came on, uh, got sworn in in 2011, the 10 years prior to that, there was 100% growth in Lane County's health insurance costs. In the six years since I've been a Lane County commissioner, we've had 6% growth. Actually, it's a little less than 6%. That is an incredible statistic. Look at what's happening with like the, the premiums for the Affordable Care Act around the country. Look what's happening to private insurance premiums and, and, and company premiums. No one can look back over the last six years and say that they've only had 6% growth in their insurance premiums. Name me one Fortune 500 company, another government, anybody. But Lane County's managed to do that. And that's one of the ways we've been able to, to get our budget under control is because we've done everything we can to control that health insurance cost, which is a big driver when you talk about about half of our expenses are, are around people, you know, whether, you know, salaries and benefits. So if you're controlling that major benefit expense and the growth of that cost, you're, you're really doing it a lot for your budget. Unlike some of the other agencies where the state of Oregon actually has one of the highest health insurance costs per employee in the entire nation. You know, you think they look at us and go, hey, Lane County, what, how'd you do that? Can we, can we copy what you did? I mean, it's not any secret what we did. They just have to have the willingness to carry it out. You know, so, you know, we, we attacked this year's budget with the idea that we were, you know, had two major goals in mind. We we're going to create long-term financial stability. And then we were going, you know, to repair some of the critical services in our, in our budget. So we actually were going to, we actually had a, done enough to control costs, we actually were able to put back a couple uh, personnel that we had had to lay off over the last uh, six years. In fact, really, when we lost most of our timber funds in the uh, FY12 and FY13 budgets. So um, it was uh, really um, a pretty amazing thing that we were able to, to actually balance our budget and we balanced our budget without using any reserves and that's something that uh, really is not a, a common thing either because it seems like most government agencies in Oregon that are in financial stress will dip into their reserves because they don't want to make the tough decisions or they feel it's just too too hard to, to do those cuts 
and they don't want to uh, uh, get to uh, um, any sort of uh, cost controls or making the tough decisions on prioritizing expenses and cutting fat. So they they dip into reserves. And if you're here in the local Eugene uh, Springfield area and read the Register Guard, you might realize that the 4J school district balanced their budget using reserves. That's how they got passed and came up with a balanced budget. They drew several million dollars from reserves, and that's how they kept their budget whole this year. That's not sustainable over time. You eventually run out of reserves. And it's also dangerous if you're using reserves because that can affect your credit ratings and your bond ratings. Uh, in fact, one of the things we were able to do with this budget was as we went through Moody's review, they noted that we really ought to have a higher percentage of, of reserve funds. We actually did a budget that started out with a 10% um, reserve and we're ending up after this fiscal year with a 17% reserve aiming for a target of 20%, which is what Moody's recommended for our general funds. So we even are building reserve in this budget. So we're not using reserve funds and we didn't pass any new revenue uh, sources. You know, we, we didn't go after any new taxes. Uh, we did, you know, re-up the jail levy, um, but that was at the same 55 cent per thousand rate. But in this particular budget, we adopted a rate of 38 cents per thousand for the jail levy, even though we could have collected 55 cents. So we're following on last year's budget where we're actually not going to collect the maximum rate for the jail levy because we built up enough reserve in, in the jail levy fund that, that we don't need to collect the full amount. And so on top of having a balanced budget where it's structurally balanced, you know, our ongoing expenses matches our ongoing revenue. We don't use reserves. We're actually collecting less tax than we're legally authorized to do so by the voters of Oregon. So then again, you know, another unique thing about Lane County's budget, name me another public agency that is not collecting the maximum amount of tax they're allowed to collect. Think about that. We're not collecting the maximum amount of tax we're allowed to collect. I think that just about every city Every school district, because as they go through Oregon, Oregon's budget law and they have a budget committee, it's their budget committee that sets that tax rate, not, not the actual elected officials. So uh, it's a pretty amazing thing to actually um, be able to pass a budget that's structurally balanced, doesn't use reserves, and we don't actually collect the maximum tax rate we're allowed to collect. Um, very unique to Oregon. Uh, the way we've controlled our cost, uh, I, I could go, I could spend the entire hour talking about all the things that Lane County has done over the past six years that's helped bring our cost down to where we actually balance our budget without that 91% of the federal timber money we used to get. Uh, and it, it's an amazing story. I have to credit our staff and our employees. Um, our, our management, our county administrator, uh, they've done incredible work and have been incredibly good to work with as a team, understanding that this we were all in this together 
and it's just you know really great to work for an organization where that philosophy has been built over the last several years where we all understand that we all have a stake in trying to make things balance and work out um, for the betterment of the taxpayer because ultimately it's for the good of the employees too because that's what builds the trust that gets a 73% yes vote on renewing a jail levy is the fact that we, we, we have a staff that's willing to suggest things that save money and work hard to get those things to work out. I mean, just out of left field, I'll pull one out of here that most people may not be aware of. The staff of our landfill has figured out a way to better compact the trash at the landfill and has worked really hard to get a higher compaction rate. And they do it using GPS units on the compactors in some ways to make sure they, they, they clearly compact and, and do the, one, it minimizes the amount of work the actual compactors do because it's a much more efficient pattern of compacting. But if they, they get actually a denser compaction, way denser than a lot of landfills do. And because of that, it's extending the life of our landfill by about 100 years. You know, think about how much it costs to open a new landfill and how difficult it is to site one. And think about how much money that staff there at the landfill is saving the taxpayers and, and the garbage ratepayers, I should say, not so much taxpayers, by that initiative they took to figure out how to get higher compaction. That's just one of the little efforts that goes on in Lane County. And that's, these are unionized employees in our public works union. You know, those are the guys that are the equipment operators and their supervisors um, worked together and figured out how to get that done. You know, pretty amazing little story, but just one of hundreds of those little stories that add up to the way Lane County's managed their budget and why we were able to adopt at the budget committee last Thursday night by unanimous 10-0 vote, a budget that is unique to any government in the state of Oregon. I would challenge almost any government in the state of Oregon to match up with Lane County and see if they can match everything that we did. You know, did you, did you control your internal costs? Did you structurally balance to where your income exactly matches your expenses so you're not using reserves? And are you collecting less than your legally allowed maximum rate of taxes? If, if somebody you know, knows of a government out there that can, can challenge me on that, I'll take away my, my claim that this is a unique budget, but I think it's really a pretty unique budget. Um, and I'm pretty proud of it. If you can't, can't tell, you know, we've been working hard on this ever since I became a commissioner. Um, kind of have to wonder why it took till um, we got a, a conservative majority on the Board of Commissioners to do some of this cost control work, but it didn't really start until 2011. Um, and, and, and in earnest, I should say. Uh, and since then, we have just done everything we can to save millions and millions of dollars in taxpayer money. And we've been successful at it. And it's what makes this budget work and made last year's budget work pretty well. Um, but this year's budget is even better because we don't even draw reserves this year. So you want to talk about something else besides the budget. 
uh, you can give us a call here at the Bose Nose Show at 646-721-9887. And just press 1, and that lets Robin, our call screener, know you want to get in on the conversation. And, uh, you know, it, today's a, a free-for-all show, so you can talk about anything you want to talk about, uh, you know, whether it, it's some land use issue out there in, in rural Lane County, uh, economic development, jobs, uh, you know, we can talk about the uh, Max train uh, murderer up there in Portland, uh, and we can also talk about Mayor Wheeler's uh, desire to shut down a future um, demonstration uh, based on on a concern, uh, you know, is that restricting free speech or is it a legitimate um, concern by by him that that he can't control the safety of the event? So, you know, we can talk about that, too. I noticed that got a lot of comments uh, on the story on the Register of Guards page. Or, you know, we can, you know, whatever's on your mind, you know, we can talk about, you know, we can, you know, and if you don't, if you don't give me a, a subject to talk about, eventually I'm going to run out of things to talk about. We're going to talk about my poodles. And in fact, you know, I got a chance this weekend. Uh, this weekend was my wife and I's 35th wedding anniversary, so we kind of took a pretty easy three-day weekend. Uh, got to go on on a on a bike ride on Saturday. Uh, rode up to Junction City to the, the Dairy Queen and had soft serve. You know, it's been a while since I've had that, uh, one of those dip cones. I love those things. Uh, Sunday got to take one of the poodles out in our canoe, which was something we never tried. Tried it with our our youngest dog, who is really bonded to me really well. So I felt like I could control her and keep her from jumping out of the, the boat. And she was, did it like a champ, like she had been a boat dog all her life. So want to call in and talk about something else besides poodles might not be a bad idea because I could go on forever, but you know, it was pretty fun to take her out on a canoe. Um, I, you know, it was like, she felt like Cleopatra going down the Nile and we were her slaves rowing, rowing her barge. Um, <laughs> She seemed to really enjoy it. Um, but I, I think I'd like to move on from the budget for a minute and talk about something else that, that we did back um, right before I had, had the DA on, so I didn't get much of a chance to talk about it. And that is, uh, we passed a, a resolution back on the 17th of May and that res resolution uh, made us part of the National Association, National Association of Counties Stepping Up Initiative. And the Stepping Up Initiative is an uh, initiative by the county started in 2015 to try and keep people with mental health problems out of our jails and criminal justice system. And uh, it's, you know, um, a resolution that you adopt and it calls for your county to do certain things. What's interesting is Lane County is already doing almost everything the initiative calls for. What it does allow us to do, though, is it does get us part of the group that have adopted the initiative where we can be talking with other counties nationwide, learning about what's been effective in their county, share some of the information that's been effective in ours. But uh, some of the things that the resolution calls for, which is uh, convening a meeting of all of the law enforcement folks and the jail folks and the mental health 
professionals in your community um, and all those various providers. We already do that. We actually have a monthly meeting called the Mental Health Summit that we already have all those parties uh, meeting every month at like 7.30 in the morning. Um, and uh, it's really uh, amazing that we already do exactly what they've, they've asked us to do. And we've done a lot of other things here in Lane County. Uh, we, we brought on a new healthcare provider after the Verizon Horizon contract ended. We rebid the medical provision in the jail. And when we rebid that, we actually changed the uh, specs for what we were asking them to do and included quite a bit of mental health services as part of that medical contract that uh, CFMG got out of uh, California. And then in addition to that, last year in our budget, we added three new uh, positions in the jail that are mental health specialists from our behavioral health department that help assess, um, uh, establish um, treatment programs or reestablish, I should say, because a lot of the folks that come in the jail had actually been on treatment programs and went off their meds, and that's why they ended up in the jail. Um, getting them back stable and all, and then getting a warm handoff to mental health providers at release. Um, so it's really, you know, those things. And then in addition to that, we also uh, started up under a grant funding last year, a um, what they call a 23 hour um, emergency clinic for men folks have, you know, having mental health um, uh, acute, um, you know, attacks and all that. So that it's a place that you know, the, the CAHOOTS people can bring somebody other than the emergency room or the uh, uh, care unit uh, at Peace Health. Um, so we have this clinic now um, that that provides that, that kind of critical um, less than one day stay care that can get somebody over a crisis. So it's this mental health crisis clinic um, so we've done a lot in Lane County already where we're trying to keep folks out of the jail because those jail beds are really meant for criminals, not for somebody having a mental breakdown. Uh, and it's an expensive way to treat mental health issues in a jail. So, you know, we're, we're into the stepping up initiative. It was something actually I brought to the board after going to NACO's uh, legislative conference in February in, in conjunction with the AOC president, um, Commissioner Bill Hall from Lincoln County because he's made that his his year's initiative for AOC to try and get as many Oregon counties signed up for stepping up. We were the 14th county to in Oregon to adopt the stepping up resolution, and uh, pretty proud that I brought that to the board and we we've adopted it also. And I'm really proud of the things the board's doing to try and keep folks with mental illness out of our jail and out of the criminal justice system and try and get them the help they need. So, you know, here on the, we're listening to the Bose Nose Show. And again, this is a, a free-for-all day. And I read an article on the Register Guard uh, page that came up this afternoon. Apparently, our legislature has passed um, a bill, at least through the Senate, and it's going over the House side, that would make it legal for red light cameras 
to issue speeding tickets because apparently they have some way of sensing speed as you go through the intersections so that every intersection that has red light ticket capabilities in Oregon could become um, a, a basically a, a photo radar uh, setup. So, you know, the, it was pretty interesting. The Guard's article estimated that it would raise about $8 million for the state over the next two years, a little over $8 million. Uh, and the city of Beaverton estimated they would issue 30,000 speeding tickets through their red light camera system in the Beaverton area in a single year. So I just, you know, kind of wonder what people think about that. Don't know if we can do anything other than try and maybe call up um, the House of Representatives folks and, and ask them to, to not pass that bill. But um, it kind of, it, it seems like everywhere you go now, you're on, on some kind of video camera and being monitored. And now they've got red light cameras. We, they're going to have photo radar everywhere. It's kind of like, you know, you know, performance cars are going to be a thing of the past. Everyone's going to get, you know, the, the new Google cars that self-drive, that, that obey every speed limit and everything else, because you're going to have to drive that way anyhow, because you'll never know when you're, you're going to be issued uh, speeding tickets or red light tickets or whatever else. So I don't know what the world's coming to. And I kind of wonder, you know, how that's going to work out sometimes for, um, some of the heavier trucks and all that stuff that, that you know they, they they have a tendency when they install red light cameras to shorten up the yellow lights to try and increase revenues because there's kind of this promise from the red light camera vendors that they'll generate a certain amount of revenue for a city and in fact there's a guy up in portland that got in trouble for um putting himself off as an claiming to be an engineer without an engineering license um that had actually been fighting the whole um, yellow light shortening issue. But, you know, I can't imagine an 18-wheeler when they shorten those yellow lights being able to actually stop in time for some of these red light cameras. So I wonder what some of the truckers think about this whole thing about red light cameras being able to issue speeding tickets and all that. Because, you know, you get too many tickets with a CDL and, and I think you can actually lose your CDL. Um, and that's, you know, for, for a trucker, that's their, that's their living. So, you know, kind of wonder where we're going to as a society, you know, when we're going to actually, you know, have chips implanted and, and they'll be able to tell whether we, we speed or, you know, run beside a pool, you know, <laughs> uh, who knows what else we'll start getting tickets for uh, because we got a chip, you know, in our, in our wrist or something that tells tells the government when we've done something bad and we automatically get a fine. Um, it just, it, you know, it kind of, kind of wonder where, where things are going in the long run here in, in our society. Again, I want to let people know that the uh, call in number here is uh, 646-721-9887. And this is uh, your show today. So um, just give us a call uh, and, press one and let's Robin, my call screener and producer, know that you want to get in on the show. So um, we got a bunch of topics out there already today, Lane County's budget, uh, trying to keep folks with mental illness out of our jail, 
speeding tickets being issued by red light cameras. Uh, we can even talk about the uh, Portland Max train uh, attack or anything you want to talk about because today is a free for all day. So uh, just you know, give us a call here at the Bose Nose Show 646-721-9887 and press one to get in on the conversation. And uh, you can also uh, email us here at the Bose Nose Show at talk at krbnradio.net. And uh, we looked at that even between shows. So if, if you're listening to this show uh, recorded on our archives, um, you can still email us at talk at krbnradio.net and uh, suggest a topic for us or ask a question, suggest a guest. Um, had the DA last week. I thought it was a pretty interesting show. The DA before the show was concerned that it was a whole 60 minutes and we don't have commercials. And she was wondering if she could actually talk for that long. And she was shocked at the end of the show how fast 60 minutes went by. Um, I think we learned some really interesting things talking to the DA that day, particularly about how grand juries work. The impacts possibly of some of the bills that are floating around the legislature, legislature on recording grand jury proceedings, and how that might change our grand jury system, uh, and and force a lot more um, hearings for decisions to charge and all versus a grand jury uh, process. So. Um, it was an interesting conversation, so I suggest if you want to listen to that, that show um, with DA Patty Perlow, you can go to uh, you can go to um, our archive uh, on KRBN Radio uh, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, just follow the link from Facebook, or you can just Google KRBN Internet Radio and we come up really easily, uh, and our past shows are there. And uh, last week's show was was the the DA. And if you go a couple weeks further back from that, I had the sheriff on talking about the uh, jail levy that was coming up. That had some awesome, also some very good information on it. And you can look through some of our past shows. We've had some pretty interesting guests over time. If there's any guests you want to hear from, uh, just give us a su suggestion. You can call us. You can email us, or you can Facebook message us. We have a uh, Facebook page for the uh, uh, Bose Nose Show and KRBN Internet Radio. Uh, just, you know, look us up. I've also got my, my Facebook page. Uh, i got a personal one if you want to see my poodle pictures. I've got a county one if you want to look at county issues. Uh, Jay Bozovich, uh, uh, West Lane County Commissioner. Uh, if you put that into Facebook, you'll find me. Uh, you can PM me on either one. Uh, I, I don't have them set up to block anyone but my friends. I, I get personal messages from anybody. So um, lots of ways to get a hold of me. Uh, in fact, uh, if you know, there are ways to call me, uh, all that. So you know, again, you know, this is a free-for-all day. You get to control the conversation, and it, Looks like we have a caller that's ready to get in on the on the conversation, and I'm just going to jump right to the caller here. And uh, 
Hi, Jay. Ask, ask the caller. Hey, so who, if you want to just tell me your first name and, and what do you want to talk about today? Yeah, my name is Nicholas. I was calling to talk about the State Land Trust Transfer Bill, SB 847. SB 847? Mm-hmm. Is, is that um, the Elliott Forest Bill, or is there a different bill? Well, it's, it's, it's connected with the Elliott State Forest, yes. It's not actually specifically just for the Elliott State Forest, but it is designed to allow transfer of uh, common school uh trust lands uh, out of the, uh, the school trust. That's, um, that whole idea is, is just kind of is a way of getting around the fact that they won't manage those lands uh, the way they were supposed to be managed, uh, which was to generate revenue for the schools. Pretty interesting. In fact, the whole Elliott Forest thing is, is maddening to me in a lot of ways, uh, where the state's going to buy land from itself, and it's going to use bond um, money to, to make that purchase and pay money from the general fund into the, the school trust to purchase the property from the school trust so that they can then basically convert it to wilderness and not do anything with that land in the future. Um, it's using up bond capacity that could be used for, um, you know, capital projects. Yeah, I would, I would, I would, I would actually uh, hesitate to disagree with you there, Jay, um, but the Elliott State Forest, I worked heavily on that project and uh, attended uh, the Flash 3 State Land Board meetings and testified at the last one, mm -hmm. held a rally at the last one. Um, so I've been involved in it heavily since December when I uh, moved here. And um, it is not to make it a wilderness, it is to make it a sustainable area that is preserved for your children, grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren um, to enjoy and learn from. It's also got huge potential as an income producer, but you're correct. It has been horribly managed by the Oregon Department of Forestry and, the, and uh, other departments. Um, and they have refused to come up with a legitimate plan to protect the endangered species that we rely on, um, like the coho salmon, where 22% of their habitat is in the Elliott State Forest. And if that were to be logged, then most of that habitat would be destroyed or damaged, and we lose a huge amount of the salmon population. And that puts fishermen out of work and uh, raises the price of fish for everybody else. Yeah. Um, so there's, but they're still talking about doing uh, selective logging and timber cuts and sales, but not doing, you know, we're hoping to. To, there, there's no actual plan on what's going to happen. There's a, there's a work groups forming at State Land Board to uh, decide how they move it without selling it, basically, to a, a private yeah, ownership. Yeah, yeah. E even if it was you know harvested either by ODF or if it was ultimately harvested by the timber company that had put in the bid, which was a really constricted bid in the first place, there were so many conditions and a max price preset. Mm -hmm. Um, but even if either of those uh, move forward with logging, our, our um, Oregon uh, forestry laws require 
uh, a significant buffer from riparian areas. Uh, and and the, the changes in uh, not only uh, logging technology, um, but also in logging um, uh, in general, you know, the, the, the laws around it, uh, size of clear cuts, the, the required stream buffers, um, don't have the impact that they used to have. I mean, we made a lot of mistakes in the past. In fact, there was a time when the federal government was actually instructing logging companies to remove wood from streams, where we're now paying mm -hmm. lots of money to helicopter large wood into streams because we realized we made a huge mistake um, in doing so. Right. Uh, so there's been a, you know, whether or not actually harvesting the Elliott would have a large impact on coho, I, 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 if it's done under state law, I don't think that there's really a, a, um, a correlation between the two because between yeah, the stream well, there's a lot of, Well, there was an expert from the uh, Oregon State OSU uh, that testified at the last state land board meeting that they have found that the state uh, requirements for stream buffers are 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 put together as a universal thing. That the same distance for one stream is good for the same distance that's another stream 300 miles away, and they've discovered that's not a good way to do it. Um, and some streams require a much bigger buffer, and some don't require as much necessarily. But a lot of them require more than what the Oregon uh, Department of Forestry has been implementing, and um, so they are already looking at, at increasing that. Actually, uh, the stream buffers. Um, and you know, there's there's a lot of other things there. The Marble Memorialette calls the uh, Elliott State Forest home. There's a um, large numbers of, of breeding pairs that, that live there and need that old growth forest for that. And there's all the the habitat that people get to enjoy. Um, you know, for anglers, hunters, people who just want to go mushroom picking or who uh, want a day out in the beautiful forest. I've been there three times in the last six months and. It, it gets better every time. Um, you know, there's huge amounts of just open uh, forest that's not necessarily all old growth, but a lot of it has grown for 50, 60 years and not been cut and is quite enjoyable. And there are some selected po pockets of old growth there. Um, once you've been there long enough, you get to find those. And we're hoping to include the tribes and, and the timber companies and the environmentalist groups all in the plan that's going to come out of the uh, state land board to try and protect the Elliott State Forest, you know, log it as needed, but, you know, we're trying to keep out clear-cutting, barrel spraying. Those things are having huge effects on, on people around timber company cutting right now. So, and threw out a lot of stuff there. Um, you know, the Sayuslaw National Forest, uh, Tillamook, several other all have uh, the habitat that supports marble mirrorlet. So it's not like the Elliott's the only habitat um, there is, but you know, there is a way of, of working around uh, you know, the, the larger uh, trees that, that, that have the, the nesting capability with, for the marble mirrorlet. They take a, mm -hmm. a certain kind of tree in a certain area, Correct. particularly they like, they actually like some of the old growth up against uh, a clear cut because it gives them a path into it. Um, 
So it, it, they're, they're different ways of, of managing some of that. The, the question I have is why does, it, why does it take a transfer between this, the school trust fund and the state to back to the state? The reason for that is you can, you, you can, yeah, the reason, the reason for that is simple because uh, the president of the Oregon school uh, board uh, said that he will sue the state if they do not compensate the fund for the transfer of the uh, LAC forest. Straight. That's pure out. The, well, that's, why do they have? That's, that's why it has why to be done. State, well, why does this? Uh, well, I understand why it needs to be compensated. The question is, is why does it have to be pulled out of the state trust to achieve the goals that you just mentioned? Which is and to be it, able and to it do doesn't the necessarily have to be because the uh, Oregon State University is offering 120 million dollars to purchase it, along with the bond uh, measure that the, uh, the governor has proposed, and the revenue from the forest that will continue to come in, um, not just from logging but from other interests, as there are more things that are developed in the forest and people are able to go out. And and enjoy it as it's you know brought out in, into a more uh, usable foundation. Right now, it's it's just old unmarked um, timber roads uh, and forest roads through there. So there's no campgrounds, there's restrooms, um, no marked trails or anything. And so there'll be there'll be lots of income coming in. They'll pay that off. Um, so it's not something that is really the best way to do it necessarily. I think there are other ways and that's what SB eight forty seven is trying to address to make sure that we can do it legally without a problem and trying to address it. That and other other areas for us that, that want to be moved out of the uh, common school fund. It's not just the LA State Forest. You know, right now um, Oregon owns only three percent of its own forest. The other 97% most are mostly in uh, federal and corporate hands, timber hands. The other, it's all, it's all gone. So this is the last that we have. We want to try and protect it and you know keep it around for generations to come. Yeah, but the, the national forests are multi-use um, forests, and they'll be around for generations to come. I mean, we've got the Saislav. Um, we got the Umqua, we got the Klamath for National Forest surrounding us here in Lane County. Um, yeah, it's it's wonderful. Thousands and thousands of acres that are that are preserved, and there's old growth that occurs in all those, as well as and very little, you know, most of it in the Northwest Forest Plan, uh, particularly the Saïs Law, is designated as as late succession reserve. Um, very little matrix land in the in the Saïs Law at all. So there's you know, thousands of acres of of land that will be old growth for all those habitat uh, and Forest Service with their multiple use um, requirement, recreation being one of them, and all the other things that you've mentioned. You'll have you know they already have campsites, they already have access um, right. and marked marked roads. You know. Why, why do why do we why do we need um, another um, force that's basically being set aside um, as like an LSR? Well, if you uh, if you look at uh, 2013, California took a leap uh, 
and created their cap and trade uh, carbon market, and they're reaping tens of millions of dollars of benefit every year from that. And the LHC Forest represents a huge ability to get into that market because once uh, it's out of the common school fund, could be used as a carbon sequestration bank. And if we were to uh, get into that market of uh, you know uh, the California market, that represents literally uh, the one estimate I've heard is up to four hundred million dollars in revenue just from sequestering sequestering carbon, not from cutting down a single tree, but from keeping the trees up. Letting them filter the air that you breathe, that nice fresh Oregon coastal air, and they take all the that bad stuff out of the air. Yeah, ultimately, you know, um, making lumber at, at, and timber products out of trees uh, sequesters a significant amount of carbon, and then they replant and grow grow new trees that that continue to sequester what. What's envisioned, yeah, but, but in, old, old, old growth is much more efficient at it. Old growth is 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 by by several oh. degrees much more efficient than 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 newer trees. They they, they old yeah. Old growth actually reaches. I I have to hmm? disagree with you there. Old growth reaches a carbon balance eventually, where the dying trees and and the methane that they're releasing from from their rotting. Uh, they, you know, the trees reach a point where, you know, they're they're really not putting on the growth that a replanted um, forest is putting on, or a young forest. They, they, you reach a stage where there's actually equilibrium um, in, in the, you know, they they're not really, cons- you, know, you can't, you know, forever uh, sequester carbon in a forest because no, you they, you are, you are just selective. Selective thinning uh, during the process and keep the forest healthy and, and all that. Um, but they found that the leaving the trees on the ground is actually a really good thing to do. It provides uh, huge amounts of habitat, and that carbon is, that is coming out is coming out at such a slow rate that it's able to be recaptured quite easily and used in the forest around it. Um, so. You know, it is it is a great deal. I've got to jump, but I appreciate you discussing, Jay. I, I really uh, hope that the uh, you can look into SD forty seven and, and get some more uh, uh, support for that going forward. Well, I'll take a look at it, but I, I kind of, I, you know, the the Q bonds that the governor's looking at to, for the hundred million um, are also in competition with the Knight Science Campus. Um, Bonding that would match Phil and Penny Knight's uh, half billion dollar gift, and as well as it's the same fund that all the courthouse replacement bonding is coming out of. So if if they mm-hmm. take the hundred million in Q bonds out of that 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 hundred and seventy uh, in bonding authority that's uh, eligible for this biennium, they will they will eat up over half the bonding authority on on. Um, Purchasing a piece of property from ourselves, and I, I just, I, it, it's difficult for me to judge. Yeah, I, I understand. It's, I, I understand. It's, it seems like a crazy way to do it, and that's, that's the way government likes it is to make things as complicated as possible, so that the normal citizens like yourself and I can't, can't get involved and, and have a say about it. Um, yeah. So I completely, I'm completely there with your frustration in the process. It's just that it's. 
you know, I, and I don't know that it necessarily even has to happen because now that there's not a, it has to happen right away. There's not a protocol to sell it anymore. So the timeline is much more relaxed now than, than it was up to the last state land board meeting. And um, so we have time on our side, and I think it's important that the, a lot of people um, from all the various um, groups that are interested in what happens to the Elliots going forward, you know, sit down and, and work out a plan that, that meets all the needs for everybody, for, for labor, for timber, for environmentalists, for, for habitat, and for, for the environment. And I think we'll be much happier going forward after that. That's what we're hoping for and pushing forward and, and just to get it out of the common school fund is the first step in that process. Well, I, I thank you very much I, for your time. I hope thank you. You're welcome and th thanks for calling in. I appreciate the conversation. All right, thanks. Ed. You're welcome. Well that was see, that was a perfect example of, of uh you control the conversation on the Bose Nose show when it's a free for all. So we hadn't even weren't even talking about the Elliott State Forest or, or Forest Trust lands, um, and the caller brought that up. It was obviously something he's passionate about. Um, we obviously disagree on on the need to actually remove it from the uh, Common School Trust uh, in order to do the what he wants to do with it. Um, particularly seeing, I believe it's going to take our way uh, our ability to invest in some uh, very important um, uh, opportunities that the state faces right now, particularly with the uh, applied science campus at the University of Oregon here in Eugene. Uh, they've got a half billion dollars sitting on the side waiting for state match. Um, that uh, 100 million in bonding will get started on that campus. And that campus is going to take research that the U of O does, which is you know heavy duty research on discovering things and then try and generate applied uh, use of that research, uh, which could be, you know, the next cure for cancer or some other um, improvement in human health. It could be some uh, major um, system for sequestering carbon and dealing with, with that. So it's kind of, you know, there's a lot of scientific um, uh, and, and economic activity that would be generated from that, you know, so that's in competition with buying a forest from ourselves to ultimately preserve it as old growth and potentially if it ever, if there ever is a carbon trading system, generate some money. <coughs> so, <coughs> excuse me. It, it's uh, one of those things where I just, I, I, I have trouble seeing eye to eye with what the governor and the, the state land board's thinking about with uh, the Elliott Forest and um, what's being proposed under uh, the Senate bill he referenced. So got about five minutes left in the Bose Nose show here, four or five minutes. Um, and wanted to spend just a minute, uh, you know, going back to our budget because I just have to be proud about this. Started the show talking about it. Um, of course, you can also call in at 
646-721-9887 if there's something you want to talk about for the last couple of minutes. But I just, again, <clears throat> want to reiterate how unique Lane County's budget is this year in comparison to every other budget being passed in Oregon during this budget passing season, which is May and June. <clears throat> because we all have to deal with the uh, fiscal year that starts on July 1st for Oregon government agencies. And Lane County's budget is structurally balanced. And what that means is our revenue coming in equals our expenses. We're not borrowing money or using reserves to support our expenses. And that's a really important aspect. Uh, so we're not using reserves and we're not borrowing money um, to, to keep, keep ourselves going in Lane County. We're also not collecting every bit of tax we're authorized to collect. We're only going to collect 38 out of 55 cents on our jail levy. A pretty significant reduction and and saving the taxpayers money so those two things really kind of make our budget pretty unique a balanced budget we're not really laying people off in fact we're making some selective investments um, in staff <coughs> that will you know help make us be able to provide better services uh, for lane county in our land management department we're providing a little bit more staff uh, in our assessment and taxation department, we're adding a little staff. Um, hopefully that'll help folks uh, interact with Lane County in a faster, uh, better, more efficient way as we uh, try and provide services on a limited amount of, of resources we have. And we've done that through controlling internal costs, which is something I think that's also unique to Lane County is just how seriously we've taken people's desire for us to keep our costs from growing too fast, to prioritize where we do spend our money, and to look at every way we can cut fat in our budget. So really want to uh, commend our, our employees at Lane County, our management at Lane County, uh, the other elected department heads like our sheriff and our DA and our assessor uh, that all have participated in this effort, our county administrator. And I'd like to also thank a lot of the citizens that volunteer at Lane County. We've got all sorts of citizens that participate in advisory committees, and they're part of that equation that helps us get suggestions and, and ways of controlling our costs. So thank you to all those citizen volunteers. And uh, anytime anybody has a suggestion for how we can save money and control costs, just give us a call here at the Bose Nose Show. Maybe we can talk about it next week when we come back. And, and again, this is your show. I'm your West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And I wanna thank you for listening to the Bose Nose Show. We'll talk to you next week at this time, Wednesday at 4 o'clock. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you later from beautiful downtown Elmira. This has been the Bo's Nose Show. <laughs>